Hello and welcome back to Redirected. My name is Andrew East and this is a show where we sit down with celebrities, athletes, entrepreneurs, really anybody who has experienced a pivot or change in life. I call these changes redirections and at some point or another we all go through them. So I want to sit down with people who have made it through these changes well in order to glean their wisdom but also hear some pretty good stories. And today we're continuing our Forbes 30 under 30 series. We're sitting down with people who are redirecting the future and have visions of something much better, of a, of a better future, if you will. And we sit down with Jeremy Fall, who is an impressive entrepreneur. Um, he has done things like start a magazine, but he's also started 14 restaurants. Uh, my favorite concept of his is a concept called mixtape. So imagine if you were going to make a mixtape into a restaurant. Jeremy did that. Anyway, we had a really fun conversation. I think you'll like Jeremy. And uh, I actually joined him on his show called Dinner Party. So did Sean, my wife. And he does a really good job. He has some interesting questions. He's really into mental health and he's open and transparent about his whole journey and struggle there. But if you want to find out more about Jeremy and what he's up to, we'll link information down below. But before we get into it, if you haven't subscribed to the show and given it a rating, please do so on whatever platform you're listening on. It really helps us out. Let's go ahead and jump into this one with Jeremy Fall. Jeremy Fall, it is truly an honor to meet you. Thanks for taking the time to join me today. Thank you, man. You as well. Hey, so I like to just kind of start the show by setting the scene of what the foundation of your life looked like. I know you have Tunisian and French roots. Um, talk to me about you. what your parents did, maybe what your upbringing was like, the potted version of, of who you are and, and how you've gotten to, to be where you are right now. Yeah, so... Uh, my mom is half Caribbean, half French. Uh, her, her father was from Martinique and she was uh, born and raised in Paris. Uh, my father is, like you said, Tunisian, uh, North Africa. I'm born and raised in LA, so, you know, an Angelino. Uh, nice. Ride or die. <laughs> Some might say, I mean, I, I, even, yeah, I even have a palm tree tattooed on my, on my arm. So, um, <laughs> like, really ride or die, Angelino. But yeah, so, you know, obviously I, woke, I grew up in a multicultural background. I think it was actually interesting because. Um, I would say that, you know, growing up, I was, I went to French, to French schools and, uh, it was interesting when I actually turned 18, I very briefly went to college, didn't last there very long, but yeah. I will say that it was the only time in my life where I felt somewhat a bit of a culture shock within my own city, which was strange because, you know, I had never been immersed in a fully American surrounding, even like my friends growing up were all from all around the world, um, is an international yeah. school. Um, but yeah, so I, I, you know, my mother growing up on a cafe with, with my, uh, my ex stepfather, who was a chef. Uh, my mother ran the restaurant. We actually lived on top of the restaurant. It was kind of like almost like a back kind of storage situation that we turned into a loft. So I lived above it. Our kitchen to our home was the kitchen of the restaurant. So I no literally grew up in a restaurant. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's great. And downtown LA. So I mean, you, you know, you know, LA well, so, it pictured downtown LA 20 years ago. Uh, it's not downtown LA today. Jeez. Yeah. Jeez. So it's, it's cool though. Yeah. So I grew up literally in a restaurant. So you could say it's in my blood. It seems like the entrepreneurial spirit is also in your blood. Um, I'm curious. You've been involved in uh, event promotions. You've been involved in digital magazines. You've been involved with restaurants. Uh, I would love if you could start at your experience at Occidental College, which I had no idea, to be honest with you, that that was it. I thought that was in Boston. And then I found yeah. out it is in LA and it doesn't sound like you've ever lost, left the city, but I would love to hear your decision and going and leaving. And then what happened next? Yeah. So, 
so the actually the event promotions was before I did the event promotions when I was 16. So I started before I even went to college. I was I was um, helping run a nightclub called the Avalon in Hollywood, uh, which you know big music venue here. So I was doing that while going to school, and then I went to so I went to Occidental when I was 18 after I graduated. Um, most people think it's a dental school, so you're not the only one that thought <laughs> I didn't know where it was. Uh, but yeah, I went to Occidental uh, briefly. You know, I was working on the side doing event promotions. That's when I had the magazine as well. Um, it was just a little fashion and music magazine I had on the side. But, you know, I was, my whole thing was, I feel like I, I grew up pretty quickly and I always wanted to write my own rules. And there was something about the status quo of college that didn't work for me. Mm. And I don't know if that's like an ego thing or trying to prove everyone wrong that, you know, the, the natural trajectory is going to college then you know, getting a job and then working your way up and then getting married and all those things. Like I, to me, it was like, I think I wanted, part of it was a rebellion and part of it was just wanting to, you know, to create my own thing and, and own that. And, and so I didn't like going to school, learning about biology, um, or the fact that I was 18 and people were asking me like, what do you want to do for the rest of the next 70 years of your life? I'm like, right. well, I have no idea. I'm 18. You know what I mean? So like, I didn't like that. So it didn't work well for me. I do. I'm not obviously against, I'm a big proponent. Uh, I'm a big supportive of education in general, but yeah. I think that the way the system works in, in that regard, it's like, it just wasn't for me. Yeah. That's so interesting. So, so you just, you had enough things going on outside of school or you were just, you knew that school wasn't for you. Like, I, were you stepping out into a abyss or did you already have a side hustle going on? I mean, I had side hustle. Like I was, yeah. you know, working in, at, even before I was 21, I was working in nightclubs. You know, I didn't drink yeah. or anything. Drink. I was sober that entire time, which most people think find it shocking. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I was, working, I, was work, I was working in nightclubs and bars <laughs> And it wasn't that I was making like enough money that I could like just leave. I mean, I, you know, I was doing relatively well for that age, but to me it was more about, you know, opportunity costs in the sense that if I'm going to spend, you know, let's say 40 hours, I don't even know what school you're supposed to spend it. Like let's say 40 hours a week in school, you know, and by the way, I'm also paying, mm -hmm. you know, I, I got, I was lucky enough to get, a full scholarship, but those also are always, there's always fine print and those where you have to actually pay for certain things. But if I'm spending mm -hmm. that time there, what could I be using that time for to build something that has a direct return on investment, right? So I was, and also learning things like biology, chemistry, and things that I really was confident I was not going to get into right. at any point in my life. Um, so I would say that it was more so there wasn't really another option for me, like in terms of like mentally, I was like, this just doesn't make sense. It's not uh, like maybe this just doesn't make sense for me. That's so interesting. You and I are different in that sense where, uh, coming out of high school, my strong suit was English. I was like really good at writing. So I walk into college. I was like, what should I study? Probably engineering. I don't know why <laughs> it was a it was a bad choice, but like in my mind, I was like, all right, I just want to like, I want to do as many things as I can to open up as many opportunities. And I'm now at the point in my life where that's, I've, I've realized that that's a flawed way to approach things. So I think your focus in saying, you know what, biology, I'm never going to do it <laughs> is incredibly helpful. You know, 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting, and I think maybe the grass is always greener, right? But to a certain extent, I think your way of thinking, <clears throat> especially at, at a certain time at that time in your life, I actually think that that's a much smarter way of thinking than the way I did, right? Because I think the more doors you open, I, I've always been a firm believer that the more you learn, the more you realize how much you don't know. Mm, and I yes. think opening as many doors as possible. I mean, you know, I could have my I could have exercised my brain in a way to learn about biology that could maybe help me in my creativity, like later on. Yeah. Maybe you know, there's always a way to connect the dots somehow and bring things together. So, keeping that open mindedness, I think, is really important. You know, and, and I think that having that like like emotional and psychological maturity that you're talking about, I think, is is important. And look, I'm not. <laughs> It work. It seems to have worked out for both of us in different ways, but yeah. I think that that way is actually like what what more can you ask than what more can you ask for than just knowledge, right? right. And the more knowledge you have, no matter what, can't hurt you. But yeah, so this is a tangent, but it's actually kind of an interesting discussion <laughs> yeah. where it's like I think if you approach it with uh, if you're still engaged in biology, even if you know you're never going to do biology, but you're like, hey, I'm gonna like. I can apply whatever in biology to my, my food making skills. Right. Then like you're, you're engaged and like your creative brain is working for connections. Anyway, that was just a thought I had. That was my deep thought of the day, Jeremy. Yeah. Right there. That was it. Yeah. I filled my quota too. <laughs> <laughs> so where do you consider yourself on the spectrum of a creative Versus businessman, because you you have a pretty wide breadth of experiences. Um, I'm yeah. curious how you see yourself in that manner. I thought I thought the spectrum of insanity was what you were going for, which is probably something. <laughs> you max that out. You're all. I, I, I was going to say, there's no spectrum. I'm beyond the spectrum. Uh, um, the where what I think is interesting is, I so I, by the way, I don't have the actual answer to this. I ask myself this very often, and I would say that. The interesting thing is, I think business is a term that is too broad in the sense that there's business when you talk about finance, there's, you know, there's spreadsheets and stuff. I am a slob when it comes to that. Like a, you cannot, I do not want to analyze numbers. I do not want to build X. I know how to do it now because I've learned, but it's not something I'm passionate about. And to me, if I don't want to do something that I'm good at, I want to do something that I'm great at. Right. Yeah. So if someone is better at something than me, I want to have them do it. And I think that the, the smartest thing in business is knowing what you're not good at, right? As an entrepreneur. And I think I mean, it's human in general. So in my eyes, you know, what, what gets me motivated, what gets me through the day, what gets me excited is creativity. That's mm. like, without a doubt, if I don't have creativity in my life, like I, I'm miserable, right? The business side to me has a part of creativity because there's something about, you know, whether it be making deals or, or whatever, there's something in the human interaction of when you're, when you're doing business that I think requires a certain level of creativity. I mean, mm -hmm. if you look at CEOs, a lot of CEOs are just faces, like charismatic faces that know how to convey a message for a brand or whatever it is and like have a mission and it's people that they're dreamers, right? They're not necessarily <clears throat> the most intricate you know, finance people that are just writing numbers. Like a lot of these people are just, are mostly dreamers. So 
In terms of the spectrum, it depends what day you ask me. There's days where I wake up and it's like the entrepreneur in me wants to just like take over the world. And there's days where I wake up, where I just want to design, you know? And, yeah. and I think the blend of that is interesting. It is a little bit difficult sometimes because, you know, I have to, I have to teach my brain to think outside the box, but within a box sometimes where, mm. you know, I have to, I can design something, you know, by the way, I designed all my restaurants, I'm working on a product line that I'm designing in full and everything, but I have to, in the restaurant space is interesting because I had to design things that had a level of science to them, which is a little bit more of the entrepreneurship comes in where it's like a little bit more structured. So I, can, yeah. I, I can't go in and make chairs that you can't sit on, right? I have to right. design chairs that you can sit on. And right. sometimes I want to do chairs that only have, you know, two legs and not four, but I can't, yeah. I have to do them as four. That sounds and stressful I, to me. It's very as stressful. A frequent, as a frequent user of chairs, two <laughs> supporting legs. <laughs> yeah, it's very stressful. But like, I'm, you know, the creative in me is like, let's do, why don't we do, why two legs? Why not 18 legs? And then like the, the business <laughs> entrepreneur in me is like, you got to do four because the chair will collapse and you need structure. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting. I, you know, we've been around enough musicians or just pure artists to know that like there is a skill. I, I think it's a skill of knowing what like of all the crazy things you can create or dream up there's a certain level that's like usable or practical practical or marketable and like i think being creative within that box is it's important on in one hand but like you don't want to completely sell out to you know foregoing all of these peripheral ideas you know yeah, and I, and I think, look, I think every created stream is to create without limits and never yeah. have to worry about finances. Like, that's every person's dream. I'd yeah. love to wake up yeah. tomorrow and design low-income housing in the middle of the desert and the next yeah. day wake up, you know, and design buildings and then clothing. And, then, like, that's every creative dream is to just, just do whatever they want. But there comes a point where, you have to learn to find the creative challenge within the structure. And I think that's where, that's what separates the person who's going to like live in their basement and, and paint, which by the way, I envy a lot of times like, yeah. like that <laughs> level of just, or the person that's going to, you know, sell a hundred million, you know, albums or right. whatever it is. Yeah, I actually yeah. have a question for you. Um, All right. Hit me. Which Whoa, is, I, I didn't come prepared to answer questions. Yeah. I was going to say, I should have actually given you a heads up. And to me, I think I find athletes, I think I find athletes fascinating in general. I think what you guys do is, is insane. I can't touch my knees, so I'm not in shape whatsoever. <laughs> but do you find sports creative? Wow, Jeremy. Like, do you uh, consider yourself an artist in some regard? I think in the sense, so talking about boundaries, like, a lot of times in in organized athletics, there is there is like a finite end goal. So like a coach says, this is the play we're running, right? But for me as an athlete, I think I found success. And like, I couldn't exit just because of my athletic ability, especially when I got to the NFL was like not where my peers were. I had to be creative in how I could achieve that goal while being a lesser athlete, right? So like whether it was, um, 
it's like, it's like a similar creative focus of thinking outside the box of like, all right, if this is where we need to be and I can't go this route, what other route can I go? So I think in that sense, yes. Did that answer your question? That was, yeah. I mean, it, to me, it's like, you know, obviously stripping away the entertainment aspect of it and, and whatnot. I think it's somewhat, it's somewhat improvised performance, right? Because it's strategic whatever sport you do, there's strategy, it's really adaptation, but it's also somewhat of a performance. Like when, like I'm a big NBA fan. So, you know, Lakers, obviously. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. I was expecting, <laughs> I didn't know how to bring it up, but thank you. Um, you know, when you see, when you, I don't think any of those guys need to do a 360 before they dunk. I don't think they need to. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think NFL players need to dance after they get a touchdown. No, so that's true. I mean, there there is performance involved, right? Yeah. Like people, you like to have fun, but I think in the actual like athletic, like the competition portion. So like the six seconds an NFL play goes on. On the one hand, it's extremely instinctual, right? It's like you've practiced a thousand times to do this, right? Which takes on it kind of takes away from the creativity. But I guess you could argue that creativity is. Man, this is getting philosophical, dog. Let me just think through this. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't give you. Like, I didn't warn you. You needed like an extra cup of coffee this morning. To, like football, especially football, especially is like, all right. There's a human being running at me at 20 miles an hour. I just react, right? So that's not that creative. That's like fight or flight. But so it is it's, creative it's because your brain has to work the same the same way that that you know if I'm designing that restaurant. And I have to find, I have to anticipate how that person is going to experience something and what they're going to do. You have to anticipate actions. You can't run straight into this person. You have to spin or whatever it is you do. And excuse my lack of terminology, whatever it's called. You have to be able to do those things. You know, like it is. Yeah. yeah, No, I, I, you know what? I'll pre, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I think like, yeah, like bodybuilding. I don't know if you've ever seen Pumping Iron with Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. but the way he yeah. talks about it, it is like, wow, that's that's art. Like, oh, it's like a, a it's a yeah. adding clay to the sculpture. Anyway, um, it's not as creative, I wouldn't say, as you came up with a restaurant called Mixtape. Yeah. What a unique blend of music and experience. Just use that as an example. I don't know if that's your favorite restaurant to talk about, but that's an example of your fantastic creativity. Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, you know, mixtape to me was, so I, music is one of my biggest passions. Right. Um, and to me it was like, okay, cool. This is where my like rebellious, maybe part ego comes in where I'm like, if I can't release an album, which by the way, I'm convinced that I probably could, but I, I won't put people under that. Um, what, what is, if I were to release a mixtape, in restaurant form, what would that look at look like, right? So That's it's going to be dude. inspired by my multicultural background, the Tunisian and Jewish heritage, French, Caribbean, American, right? It's going to be a love letter to my city, to Los Angeles. It's going to feature other artists, just like an album, right? So it's going to feature Quincy Jones. It's going to feature Jane Smith, you know, all these different artists that we got completely different. You have, you know, some search tanking from system of a down, and then you have Quincy Jones also stripping them away from what they do. Quincy Jones is sketching. People are like, wait, I thought Quincy Jones did music. I'm like, no, that's creativity. You're not pigeonholed to one thing. That, that is, you have to find a way to break this in. People, 
don't understand that, you know? And then you have Serge Tankian doing a sculpture that's a lamp, that's a, you know, that's a repurposed Yamaha keyboard. And then you sit down and the cocktail menu is a mood ring, right? So that was like my 90s inspiration coming in with growing up and like, you know, you know, falling for all these girls that had these like mood rings that would change colors and like all that stuff when I was like a kid. Ah, uh, mood and rings. Then, exactly. And then, you know, when you're going there, you're like, wait, but this is a restaurant, you know? But to me, it's like, yeah, it is a restaurant, but it doesn't have to be like, why does it have to be what you know? And it's, and it's interesting because the problem with that is that it's great. It's great for people like us who, who understand that, but you'd be surprised at how many people it's really hard to take them out of that box right and when you know i have to support 65 employees in that one establishment that i have to pay their bills i have to find a way to play the game where we can keep the lights on right i can't if you ask me to do restaurant the way i'd want to a hundred percent it'd be no one would get it like no one would get it make no sense but you have to find a way i think to to there's a there's creativity in that challenge right juggling man it's that just, it almost gives me chills to think about, I guess my first parallel analogy to it was like um, a deaf person experiencing a symphony either through like the sound waves or literature through their, their, their feeling. It's like you're taking one of the five senses and projecting that experience in, in a, on a different sense. It's so really cool. Um, Thank you. But so in 2019, you had several of your restaurants acquired, which is a big deal, right? Rolling into this year, um, you know, your Forbes 30 for 30, all the success that maybe you dreamed of, maybe you didn't dream of. Uh, I understand you you hit this mental health, this, this point in mental health where you had to take a step back. Can you walk us through? that yeah absolutely so you know i i suffer from anxiety and depression i have my whole life uh growing up i didn't know what it was i you know i was i was often made fun of as a kid because you know i wouldn't get on the plate like at the top of the slide like the other kids mm-hmm. did you know my mother would say that i would put one foot on one step another foot on the same step and i would be uncomfortable in situations i always felt like an outsider you know i was called a lot of names and and, and whatnot um and so that was, but that was something growing up. And, and my therapist even says, like, I even, I even, I talked to her about this. I was like, why do you think there's a stigma? And she's like, well, for men, the only emotion that men are allowed to feel in society is anger. And that's it. Because if it's not, if it's sadness, I think you're considered as weak. And, and growing up, you know, with that, and um, it, it was definitely like kind of an interesting way to integrate. I never, I always saw it as a, as an Achilles heel. And I think at a certain point I started to, it's, it's again, it's like, how do you reimagine that? How do you repurpose that as a superpower, right? As your advantage. And I honestly attribute my success to my anxiety and depression. I think if I didn't have that, I don't think I would have, don't think I would have dropped out of school. I would have wanted to stay within that structure. I like mm. all of those things. I, I'm grateful for it in a certain way. It's just how do you, how do you live with it as a certain thing, right? And I've been more open to over the years, you know, like it was very difficult for me to get hit all these press accolades. Like I've done, I would say I've done a lot of growing up in the last year and a half or so. Cause when I was 
when I started the restaurant business, it was very much about, okay, I need the validation to counteract all that childhood of feeling that the outsider wanting to be at the, ta- the you know, the lunch, ta- the theoretical lunch table, or metaphorical lunch table, I should say, getting invited to all those things. And from the outside, everyone thinks that I'm like, you know, no one would ever think that I'm, that I have that inside. Like I would tell people, like I would try to open up a high anxiety store and they're like, no, like, I don't believe that you don't have anxiety. Like even doctors would tell me that they'd be like, you don't have anxiety. You're such a like cool chill guy. And I'm like, you know, it was really difficult for me to open up about that. And I think that when I started working and started achieving success, I chased, it was like a drug. I chased every single press accolade, every single award. I was creating things that I knew, you know, would stir up the conversation. I knew would like piss some people off and make some people happy. I went completely against the grain to feed my ego to like get that confidence. And then I got to a point where I was like, this, this isn't me. This isn't authentic. Like I'm going on Instagram and look, everyone, everyone's Instagram, I would say is like highlights of their lives. Like no one is really fully, you know, showing every single, and, and we shouldn't, there should be some part of secret of privacy in our, in our lives. Right. But I was doing all these projects and by the way that I love, and each of them taught me something. I don't regret anything. I loved everything that, you know, I'm proud of what we've created over the years, but I hit a point where I was like, this isn't me. Like the perception versus the reality is completely skewed. Like I know there are kids out there that are, you know, messaging me from all parts of the world that are like, I want to be just like you. I want this because like you're, and I'm like, I, I have imposter syndrome as well. So that every award and accolade would hurt me more and more and more to the point where I was like, I want to just be open about this thing. I want to help remove this stigma. I want to tell that kid that's like, oh, I wish I could be like Jeremy, but I can't because I have this like crippling anxiety or depression or whatever it is, or mental health issue, thinking that that would hinder them from following their dreams. I wanted to, I wanted to be open about it. So to answer your question, sorry for my rant, but to answer your question, um, I decided I was, you know, it was two months ago, I was you know, after quarantine, obviously quarantine made us all think a lot more. And during that time, I was, you know, it, it was great in, in the sense where, like, I really got to reflect myself. It was difficult for a certain period of time. But I was like, you know what, I'm, what am I doing? I'm refreshing Instagram all day long. I'm looking at the, you know, the little reports of, like, how long I spent there. It's embarrassing. I don't even know what I'm doing. Like, do I really care about seeing my friend in the pool? Not really. I'd rather see my friend in person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I decided to take two months off. I disconnected from all the apps, disconnected from everything. I did, this is the first interview I've done, by the way, in like, I would say probably like seven months, which going from what I was doing before, which was like multiple times a week, this is the first thing I've done. And I completely disconnected and didn't want to, you know, touch the digital side because I wanted to try to really feel and remember like who I was without that perception and then come back. So I had, I mean, I had to go in. I think a lot of creatives and people in general, mental health issues go through that. And, and I yeah. think that it's interesting to me that there's a stigma for mental health when if you have a sniffle, people are like, what, do you need antibiotics? Like, Advocal and sinus, like they're loads of medication, but you have something that you have to live with every day and medication or whatever, it's such a stigma. And, I, and I'm trying to help break that. I'm trying to make people understand that everyone has mental health. 
mental health doesn't mean having issues. It's fragile. Someone could mean have great mental health and tomorrow it all goes away. And, yeah. you know, so I want, I'm trying to help people understand that. First of all, I'm honored that, uh, that things worked out as they did. And, and I think you said the first day back was your, or the day you read my message was your first, first day back on social media. So that's, uh, and I'm, yeah, just, just glad you could join us. Cause I think you have some really great things to say. The second thing is, uh, it's, you know, when I think of an industry where anxiety that might impart anxiety, the restaurant industry is brutal in that sense. You know, yeah. I, I have some friends that own restaurants and it's like long hours, a lot of things being thrown at you, a lot of decisions and chaos and problems. And so, um, I envy your courage in taking that on. And then the last thing is, as far as, you know, the, the social media where you're wasting time, it's like, I've just put so much thought into, okay, how, if creativity is my, you know, my joy and it's my profession, how can I do more of it? Uh, I've put thought and research into how to amplify it. And it's like, pretty much everybody says you kind of have to reach a point of boredom to tap into your creativity, right? It's like you have to let your mind relax and you don't do that by, Oh, I have four seconds where I'm going to, you know, pee. Let me pull out my phone and pull up Instagram. It's like, it is that it's our first impulse is to grab the phone and, and, you know, push boredom to the side. But creatively and from a sense of community, I think it's terrible. So anyway, hats off to you for, for like really going after it and, and making that change where I honestly, I, my first thought was, well, I can't, I can't delete social media. This is, you know, part of what we do, but that's just an excuse at the end of the day, you know? So it's like, you did it. Hats off. I think, I mean, look, ultimately if you went off social for, let's say a week, you know, you still have, and again, congrats on your, on your baby. Appreciate it, dude. Of course. You still have, you still have the things that matter the most. You still have your wife, you still have your yeah. baby, you still have your home, you still have your health. Like ultimately I think when we, when we take a step back for all the things, whether we take them for granted or, or not, I think there's, there's so much value that is ignored because of that. You know, and again, it's like I had that thought with opportunity cost when I was young and like spending like that stuff I was doing on social media to a certain extent was that those 40 hours a week in college. It's like, yeah, this, there's some benefit to it, but you know, there's find a way like when I, if you're spending 10 hours a week, I'm sure you could get the same stimulation by spending two, you know? And it's like, what are you going to do those eight hours? Like, what are you going to do? Um, you know, build things that are meaningful. Don't yeah. just focus on building the things that, have true value that's my opinion on things you know like and it doesn't mean that you have to like buy the obsessed by the tea of like I, every minute every day no like there's like you can spend a sunday on instagram watch watch trash tv and scroll through absolutely or tiktok there's nothing wrong with that i don't want people to think that it's like sure you know but to a certain extent i think know your worth and try to understand what makes you happy and and re remember that what's on our phones is just, it's that perception versus reality, right? And I think even though people know that, there's still 
feeding off of other people's perception, trying to chase something that doesn't exist, you know? Yeah. And, and that's, that's, that's the issue, underlying issue. Yeah. Hey, Jeremy, I'm curious when you look back over your life to date, all the things you've done, all the people you've interacted with, uh, what are three things that you've learned or someone has taught you that uh, you could share with the, with the audience? I think the main thing by far is stay true to yourself, stay authentic. That is something that you will never regret. And I actually think that by doing that, you do things at your best ability. People can cut through all that. They can see if you're not being authentic. Like do things that you actually love that are very much you, you know, and people will buy into that. And, and honestly, it, it's happiness. That's all, that's all it comes down to. I would say that's number one. That's a pretty big one that probably hits a few of those. But <laughs> I think the power of no is more important than the power of yes. You know, Great. I took on a lot. Yeah, I took on a lot of things that I learned from. But I learned that most of my success came based off of how many no's I, you know, escape, set, or whatever yeah. it is. I think those are the two. And, and honestly, I think figuring out, and, and this, is, this is something that I think is difficult where there's people that are like, how do I have a personal life and a professional life? How do I have both? And, I'm, and I, what I think is important to understand is that they don't have to be separate lives. I know that there's this whole thing about work, personal balance, and, and there, there is. But I think if you do what you love, like people always ask me like, well, you know, what, what would, you know, how do you have that? What do you do on your spare time? And I, and I would be like, obviously I love a lot of different things, but I'd be like, you know, spare time, I, I, I go to restaurants to eat with, with people I love. And, and it's because like, to me, I was never interested in food because of the food, like I love food, but to me, food is a conduit to conversation, right? Yeah. And what I love is the context around food and the stories that get built around and the memories that you build. That's what interests me about food. And that's what I loved about restaurants was like creating these worlds where people could build memories and have these experiences. So find something that is again, authentic and just streams through your life. Like if you love sports, you love watching sports, it's everything that consumes you and you're gonna be an athlete, you don't have to be an athlete and be a dad. You can be both at the same right. time. You don't have to have separate lives. I think that's an important thing is finding a way to make everything one. And that's when it'll be, again, authentic to you. You don't feel like you have to play a role. Like I used to think that I had to be like Jeremy Fall and then Jeremy. And I realized that there's a way to just be Jeremy all across. Like you don't need to have this separate thing and, and be the specific thing that you want people to think you are. Just be yourself. Yeah, with be yourself with a outstanding beard. Just keep that thing. You know, thank you. I I, I appreciate. It. You know, I'm very lucky that my my facial hair grows back within an hour. Um, I yeah. shaved before we got this, <laughs> bro. I I shaved when I was 16, and this is where I <laughs> never came back. Yeah, there's something. Oh, man. It's funny because I don't even consider myself having a beard. People always bring it up. I just like I don't shave. I just trim, and then for some reason yeah. it comes off like this. Hey, so what do you, what exciting things do you have coming up? You know, I have, I've been, again, like the past two months have been really just figuring myself out and, and everything. I, I actually am working on a really cool uh, product line. It's a design project that has a mental health mission tied to it. Mm. So that's coming out next year. Um, 
I'm very excited about that. And then I have a show coming out soon as well. Hey, Jay Fall <laughs> on TV. Back yeah. again. Back again. Yeah. Wow. How about how about you? Can am I allowed to interview you back? <laughs> Uh, you know what, man? We we have a fun project. So I don't know if you're familiar with these content houses that are popping up, most of them yeah. in LA. I'm not living under a rock. I just went off for two months. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so we create family-friendly content, right? And most of those content houses are like 20-year-olds, you know, certain lifestyle that we're not currently interested in, I guess, in our phase of life. And so we're trying to figure out what what would a like if we were going to do a family content house, what does that look like? Uh, so we're taking some fun steps to to make that happen. And the mission is ultimately like you know people view our videos and pictures and read what we put out there, but we come from one perspective and one background, and you know we realize there's a bunch of other families and family situations out there. So how can we? increase like the, I mean, we think family is a, a pretty powerful unit. And so how can we increase people feeling encouraged in their families, people feeling connected in their families. And that's kind of our, that's our overarching mission. And we're doing a bunch of stuff to try to make that happen. And, uh, anyway, you'll have to come to Nashville and, and see what's up. I'll come, I'll come cook. Yeah. <laughs> yes, please. I would, I would say you should come and we could do some sports, but that sounds terrible. (laughs) Yeah, we could do sports sometimes. Hey, Jeremy, thank you for your time, man. It was a pleasure to meet you. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you.